two mid on for four. Jeffrey Bull, 100 hundreds, the place to get it here on his home ground at Hedrickson. Got it! Got it! Well deserved, a magnificent delivery from Darren Goff. Must be very close to five. Welcome to the Covers Off podcast from Yorkshire and Club. I'm Richard Pirate and we've got the skipper with us again this week. Pato, how's things? Yeah, very good, Rich. Obviously on the back of a really good victory up at Durham. So, lads are in good shape and looking forward to going to Nottingham. Yeah, good good first week for us last week. Um, so, it was a good solid performance on a, on a pitch which was hard work at times, pretty slow and getting slower, I thought. Especially our bowling effort was outstanding with a, with a young, young attack. Yeah, it was. The lads... Put in a really good effort. Obviously, first innings, we pulled them out for 100 in 60 overs and then we're having the heavy roller available twice each side. By the time we bowled again, it was really hard work and they stuck at the task really well. The disciplines were exceptional and we got our rewards eventually. Uh, young Maddie Fish came in and got four with a new ball and bowled beautifully, but it was a really pleasing performance, a real good all-round team performance. And with the bat, David Milan getting runs in his first game was a real highlight. And Harry Brook, we know how kind of talented he is and the ability he's got. And he showed some of that out there when it was a tough chase. So really pleasing first week and this is in a good place to go to Nottingham. Yeah, I just just touch on, on, on Milan. He, uh, you know, four for two chasing 170. He showed all his experience there, didn't he? He looked calm when he went in. Uh, and took took us over, and, and you know, with young Brookie batting at the side of him, it's it's gold dust for a young player like that. Yeah, it is, and that's if we look at it, that's why we signed him really for that experience and that knowledge that he brings to the team, and he showed that in abundance this week. Having for Harry, having him there at the side of him, will have done Harry the world of good, and it shows what we can get out of Harry as well. So really pleased with him, really pleased with the whole team, and it's great to get a win on the first game. Definitely. Good, right, let's uh, introduce uh, today's guest. Quite a strong connection to Yorkshire. Um, so this player has played 70, 71 test matches with 259 wickets at 26. We won't talk about his batting because he's probably mentioned that himself. Uh, and as a coach, he's won back-to-back county championships and is a big bash winner. It is Jason Gillespie. Dizzy, great to have you on and good to see you, bud. Ah, you too, Rich. Good day, Pato. How are you guys? Nice to see you, Marv. I <laughs> <laughs> haven't heard that for a few years. <laughs> so, Diz, you you've. Tell uh, me why you call me Marv? Well, it's a bit of an inside joke, as you know, but for anybody who knows him and knows Paul Fabris and what Fabi looks like, they turned up at Yorkshire at the same time and they're very, very reminiscent of the Wet Bandits from Home Alone. If anybody's seen the two baddies in Home Alone, <laughs> uh, and, you, and you were right there when you first came out here, so it's, it's just a weird. Uh, no, it's really good to see you, mate. It's good to see you well, and it's going to be good yeah. to have a catch-up over the next hour. Yeah, lovely to see you both too. So, yeah, it's, uh, thank you for the invite, and uh, yeah, looking forward to it. So, Diz, you, uh, you've only just come over, haven't you? You've been in lockdown in Australia. Tell us about how it's been in Oz and, uh, you know, flying over while uh, while still in, in lockdown. Yeah, Rich, it was, it was an interesting time. And look, obviously, it's been a challenging time for everyone. We were in pre-season camp in South Africa. We were in Cape Town. And, and obviously, things changed quite quickly, if you remember, in, in the back end of the second half of March. And it, it was decided that, that we'd, we'd get back to 
back home initially. So I, I actually flew to the UK and sort of was getting settled in my flat. And then obviously things were changing very quickly, if you, if you recall that time. And uh, I sat with our CEO and our director of cricket and it, it looked like there was going to be no cricket. There was going to be nothing for, for months on end. And, um, you know, we, we just all came to the decision that it's probably best if I, I snuck home and, um, and had spent a bit of time with my family. You know, while there was no cricket, there was nothing, you know, the, the whole ground, every county was shut. It just didn't seem much point me staying here. So, you know, I got home and, and I was pleased. I had to quarantine for a couple of weeks. Uh, so I stayed in my mum's little little apartment. and uh, She lives not far from us, uh, where we live in, in South Australia. So at least I was able to, you know, the kids were able to come around and stand on the other side of the fence and talk to me and drop off groceries and, uh, and that for the, for the two weeks. I was able to at least talk to them and hang out with them. But, but yeah, that, that was okay. Um, and then basically, I think it's been a been a strange experience because it's the unknown hasn't it I think that's what everyone has, has, has had there's that sort of no one knowing exactly what's going on or, or when things are going to kick on again I mean I, I think with all due respect you know I, I think it's been probably tougher over here in the UK particularly at the you know when the full lockdown was on in South Australia we haven't had a full lockdown at all um, I know Victoria is now experiencing that at the moment but you know you guys I felt for all you guys here you know everyone it was it was hard work and um you know so once once it was announced that we were cricket was starting again you know arranged to come back over and I had a, had a couple of wobbles I must admit just thinking oh I was more concerned about the, the travel and what the protocols were going to be the process and you know would I have to quarantine or, or do whatever um you know what's it going to cost so the you know fully aware that counties are taking a massive hit at the moment uh, financially so yeah so there are a lot of things to consider but but Certainly, I'm, I'm really happy to be here and, you know, see everyone here again and, and obviously playing, a, you know, we've, we've had the first round of the Bob Willis Trophy, which I thought was a fantastic round of cricket. You know, some of the cricket that was played around the country, I thought was sensational. And, uh, you know, we were fortunate enough to get away with a win down here at Hove. Yeah, so it's, it's been great to be back, mate. Yeah, I think you're right there. There's, um, like the Bob Willis Trophy, from what I've seen, it's, it's given some young like some young English players uh, opportunities they probably wouldn't have had if you know overseas players was here, and you know potentially we we might have a, another young player coming in at, at Trent Bridge. So it's a great experience for these young yeah. lads in, in the next couple of months. Yeah, it, it most certainly is, Rich, and you know it, it's it's tough on it's tough on everyone because everyone wants to play, and mm. every club's got their own way of how they're going to approach this uh, Bob Willis Trophy. You know, I've heard some clubs are, are putting limits on how many games each of their bowlers are going to play. You know, other teams are, are picking, you know, quite young squads and, and the like. And I think you've got to find that balance because there's a trophy to be won there. And, you know, players want to play to win. And so you've got to find that balance. You know, we're certainly in a, in a, a stage here at Sussex We've got an opportunity to look at a couple of players who also are in the side on merit. So it's it's kind of been a, a you know been fantastic for us. And um, you know I think we our average age of our side uh, last week was 24. That would have dropped to 22 uh, had we not had Mitch Clayton in the side. Um, so, he's got more grey uh, than you as Mitch but, now. Well, yeah, he's 37 <laughs> now, Mitch. And um, so we had three debutants for Sussex last week. We had Henry Crokin. Uh, Jack Carson, whose combined age is Mitch, um, and Mitch was the other debutant. So, uh, so yeah, he's got the he's, he's happy. He's, his nickname at Kent was Granddad, and uh, his nickname here at Sussex is Dad. So he sees that as a bit of a win. <laughs> <laughs> he's a good lad, is Mitch. Got a lot of time for Mitch. Yeah, he certainly fitted in well. Um, it, it's something we needed at, at Sussex. We needed a, a really good. Um, 
you know, uh, outgoing personality within our group, and you know, someone who, first and foremost, to do a specific role, uh, which is what he does with his with his seamers. But but the energy he brings to the squad, yeah. to the dressing room, uh, the energy on the pitch has uh, has just been absolutely fantastic. And and all the young lads are, are all over him at the moment. He's uh, you'd think he'd been there, been here for ten years. That's uh, the impact he's had in such a short time. He's uh, he's good around the dressing room. Has, has he done his party pieces yet for the lads? No, he, he hasn't, hasn't done any, anything like that. He's he's done a few magic tricks, but yeah, look, he's uh, look, he's he's one of a kind, Mitchie Clayton, and yeah, the, the lads are absolutely delighted. He got a he helped out a young uh, young Jack Carson get a, a sponsorship with his bat uh, bat sponsor. So look, he, he's done a lot of lot of good things in a short space of time. Good, right, Des, With with all our guests, we just we go right back to the beginning and ask him how how you got into cricket and a bit of a story. Uh, you know, you ended up playing quite a lot for Australia so just give us a bit of insight on um, where, how it all started yeah Rich it was I remember just watching cricket on TV young age I was probably six or seven years of age and, and I remember watching Australia play some test career and I remember Australia playing some one day career and I'm thinking you know what I just I just instantly fell in love with the sport and um, from that moment I, I wanted to be a cricketer and that never wavered you know from, from that young age um, cricket was always a constant for me I, I played a lot of other sports as most kids do um, you know I played a lot of lot of football soccer as a kid uh, um, I played basketball I played squash uh, and the like but cricket was always the constant it was always a sport that I that I loved the most and yeah and just just went through really you know I was fortunate enough to I played a little bit of age group stuff but nothing uh, of note had teenage years had the growing pains I, I shot up from age 14 to 15 you know and that coincided with some back and knee problems as a teenager but yeah but it was yeah just just went through like that I suppose that was a, as a kid coming through growing up in in South Australia and yeah just the dream was always there to to play cricket for Australia didn't you didn't you come through pretty quick this um I think from what I remember that you um, you went through the to South Australia team pretty quick and into the Test team. Is that right? Yeah. So so what happened? I, I probably the moment that one real moment light bulb moment for me that probably changed the course of my career. I I was playing fourth grade for my club. I was I was about sixteen years of age, and I remember as you know that club cricket. Everyone gets together. You do an old school lap, and then everyone sits and has a stretch near the sight screen and. and I was telling everyone, and I was a little dibbly medium pacer bowling really slow, keeper up the stumps all the time, and batted in the That's middle a, order. And, nothing um, wrong with that. No, I'm still a yard on Pato, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I was I, I was playing fourth grade cricket and um, wasn't really achieving too much, and uh, basically treating water to be perfectly honest. And and I, but in my mind, I was this cricketer. I was going to you know um, play for Australia and all this sort of stuff, and. Uh, and I, you know, we were all sitting around and lads were all talking about what their life goals are, the, you know, work, study, you know, all these sort of things. And I just piped up that I'm going to play for South Australia by the time I'm 19 and I'm going to have a baggy green at 21. And, um, and it hit me that moment because everyone to a man just burst out laughing. And then they started calling me the Lion of Adelaide and, you know, oh, who, do you, who does he think he is, this skinny, scrawny, D-grade kid. And, and that, that, what I mean by the light bulb moment is that no one could see or feel what I felt. I felt I could do it, but I was clearly not 
showing anyone else that behavior. I, I was not showing anything that suggested that that could ever possibly happen. And so I knew then I had to change because the perception of me was a, a tall, scrawny kid who bowls little slow stuff with the keeper up the stump, little swingers with the keeper up the stump. And, and uh, I could hold a bat, but that's about it. So I had to change. And so I, I had to get myself fit. I had to get myself strong. I had to bowl with a bit more purpose. So I remember that day, that night, I, was, I measured this stupid long run up out in the nets and I just started to bowl as fast as I possibly could. And I ruffled a few feathers and all this sort of stuff. I was sore as hell at the end of the session, but I, it just kicked me into gear. And then I, I progressed up the grades uh, relatively quickly and uh, I, got, I jumped two grades and made my A-grade debut, final game of the season. My dad, who was on the committee of the club, actually said, no, he's not ready. And then uh, I had one for none after my first over opening the bowling and um, dad then vowed never to get involved in uh, my cricket ever again because he had nothing so so it just progressed from there guys and um, and then I you know I, I played a, a three shield games in 94-5 including a shield final which we lost to Queensland then I went to the academy over uh, the winter of 1995 and then I had a had a big year in, in 95-6 and got a late call up as a replacement for Craig McDermott to the World Cup in 96 and it just really it just all kicked, kicked on from there Brilliant. And obviously, a lot of us does know about your success in the Australia side, but I think what a lot of people want to know, probably myself included, because we haven't really spoke about it in a lot of depth, is what was it like playing in that side of the late 90s, early 2000s? To me, it's probably one of the Australia sides, one of the greatest test teams has ever been, bowling alongside Shane Warne, Glenn McGrath, Brett Lee, these kind of guys. What was it like playing in that team? Because you were so successful. It must have been a fantastic time. Hey, Pato, it was, it was an unbelievable time, and I, I, you know, I think to this day I still pinch myself a little bit, you know, with you know, I suppose my name associated, you know, with that Australian side and, and with those players that you mentioned, um, you know, guys I class, you know, you know, are great friends of mine, and you know, to this day we're we're all still in touch. But to play in that side, it was, you know, you really you're just focusing on what you had to do at the time. You know, John Buchanan was very good as a coach. He always looked to challenge us and, you know, he'd always have Everest as, you know, can we reach Everest? Can we be the best? And, you know, what's going to allow us to get the base camp? Then what's going to allow us to get to the next stage and, and just keep building up? And this was over a period of time. And, you know, John was very good at motivating and challenging us like that. Everyone was very clear on their roles. I think that, that, was, that was really important. You know, we all knew what, what our jobs were. And, you know, for me, you know, if you know exactly what, is expected of you and what's required and I, I use this in my coaching as well is if you know exactly what's expected and required of you surely you've got more chance of succeeding at it if you know exactly what is asked of you and required of you so that way you can just focus on cracking on and doing your job to the best of your ability and, and I was fortunate enough I knew that um, you know I tried to get the breeze when I was by the other end of Glenn McGrath but he was, <laughs> he'd never have anything of that he had none of that so I knew I had to do a little bit of work uphill into the breeze but that was okay um, I, I just wanted to play test cricket and if I could do a role for the team and happy days and um, you know you, you knew that uh, Glenn and Shane were our main bowlers you know if, if we can do a role for the team you know, then that's great. And we knew we had some of the best batters that have played the game. You know, it helps when you, you bat first and rack up big scores. It just allows you, you know, as a bowler, you've just got to lock in for three days to bowl out the opposition twice. And so you just prepare mm. yourself physically and mentally for that and just crack on. Yeah. One of your heroes, Glenn McGrath, Pato, isn't he? Him and uh, Matt Robinson. Absolutely. Now, I remember as a kid looking up at, like, Glenn McGrath. He's the type of bowler that I wanted to be. 
uh, his accuracy, you know, literally never let them off the hook. And yeah, he kind of inspired me really. And as I've spoke to you in the past, obviously when you were at Yorkshire, he was my cricketing yeah. hero really. What he achieved is phenomenal, not just to take the wickets he did, but at the average he did on some of the pitches he did. He's got to go down as one of the greatest yeah. teamers of all time, hasn't he? Uh, oh, without a doubt, Pato. And, and the, the simplicity of his game, it was incredible. It was extraordinary. He, he knew exactly what he was doing with the ball. You know, he, he often said, and I think I've said this to you guys when I was coaching uh, you guys, that you know, he, he knew that he wasn't the biggest swinger of the ball or the biggest seamer of the ball, but he knew he was tall. He knew he could hit a spot on the wicket 95 times out of 100, and he knew he, he would take wickets. He just had to be patient, and, and he kept it as simple as that. You know, and, and look, look, Glenn used to cop a little bit of stick every now and again from uh, from the the punters. You know, particularly leading in Ashes series, he'd say we're going to win five nil, and you know, people would misconstrue that as arrogance. But I mean, you only have to meet the guy and spend five minutes with him to know he's probably the most non-arrogant person in the world. He he's kind of mindset about it. I remember asking him about it. Why do you say five nil? And he, and he said, Dizzy, well, I know what I'm going to do, and I know I'm going to do my job. I know you're going to do your job. I know Shane's going to do his job. I know you guys are prepared really well with doing everything. Our batters, are, they're going to score the runs. And if we do that, if we do our jobs for five days, we're going to win the test match. And then we'll go to the next test and we'll win it. So he's very methodical in his thinking, uh, Glenn. And so it wasn't arrogance. It was, it, it, as I said, he's the most non-arrogant person in the world. He's just very, just, this is what, this is how we're going to do. I've got complete belief and faith in my ability. I've got complete belief and faith in my teammates' abilities. We've got this. And, and that, that's how he operates. I mean, I've, I've often said he's the most positive person that I've met in my life in cricket or anywhere. He's just a positive, you know, uh, glass half full person. You know, he, just great teammate, great friend. You know, someone who, you know, you can always rely on to, you know, give you a bit of a boost. And, you know, yeah, he's just a fantastic guy. Nice. So, Diz, um, most of our Yorkshire supporters know you best from uh, being a coach. So you start, I remember you started out uh, in Zimbabwe, didn't you? It's a bit of a, a random place to start, but uh, <laughs> it's um, you know you know you put yourself into the deep end a little bit, didn't you? First up, going to Zimbabwe, I think you moved the family there as well, didn't you? So how did it come about from uh, finishing playing, going to Zimbabwe, yeah. and ended up as Yorkshire head coach? Yeah, well, I, I suppose that the, the first seeds of potentially going into coaching probably started my. So I had two seasons. Uh, playing with you guys at Yorkshire in 06 and 07. And then 08, I had a season at Glamorgan and under Matt Maynard as director of cricket. And, and I, I was obviously playing. I, I was well past my best. I, I, was, I was nearly due to finish up. But I did a little bit of work with a couple of bowlers at, um, you know, just during in and around training and just spending time with them um, at, at Glamorgan. And, and Matt Maynard actually said to me, have you ever thought about coaching this? And I, I said, look, I haven't. Not really. And he just said, look, and, and it's one of the, some of the best advice I've ever received. He, he just said, look, whether you go into coaching or not, just get your levels and then it, something may come. If nothing comes of it, you've got something behind you. You know, you've finished playing and you move on and whatever you want to do. And um, so that that was just in the back of my mind a little bit. And then went to the Indian Cricket League and played a little bit there. And I uh, was in the same team as Heath Street. So we often sort of spent a bit of time chatting and, and whatnot um, about things and what we're going to do post-career and all that sort of stuff. And coaching came up and things like that. And then... It was probably six months after the second lot of ICL. I got an email out of nowhere from Heath. And he said, oh, Diz, hope all's well. Are you still thinking about getting into coaching? And uh, because things are, uh, are picking up here in Zimbabwe and um, there's a new franchise system is set up. And I've recommended that 
you'd be an ideal person to coach the, the team in the Midlands, the Midwest Rhinos. And so got a little bit more information, found out about it. They were interested. And, um, you know, on the back of me not really doing any coaching uh, before. So it was, a, you know, it was a really interesting time. But I thought, why not? And my wife asked me one question. She said, are we going to be safe? And uh, I said, look, I've been to Zimbabwe a couple of times. I think it's a fantastic place. We'll be looked after okay. And, and so we, uh, we took the plunge. And I thought, you know, the only way I'm going to get experience is, uh, is by is by living it. Um, you know, I'd applied for a couple of assistant coaching roles before that, and I was told, "Well, you got no experience." So, and it's that old adage: How do you get experience if you know you don't yeah. get the opportunity to uh, to gain experience? Uh, it's you know, and look, that happens you know in all walks of life, I suppose. But um, I thought the only way I'm going to, if I want to be a head coach, I'm going to have to. Uh, have a crack and um, and it's one of the best things I ever did you know I learned a lot I learned a lot about man management people management I learned that you know it is just a game of cricket especially when you go to a place like Zimbabwe and there are a lot of social things going on and um, you know sometimes cricket has to take a back seat due to the realities of life and, and what's going on but yeah and uh, and I got to try a few of my sort of ideas and thoughts on on how to prepare players to play and and it just went from there really and that that was that was a lot of fun yeah, and then and then to Yorkshire. I remember uh, Gailey was in the interview process, wasn't he? And he says, uh, "I remember the day he told me." He says, "I think we've got Diz coming as head coach." Yeah, it's, it's a low stick in my mind uh, that, and never looked back then, did we? Yeah, I, I remember doing that interview. I was in the middle of Zimbabwe in a tin shed, which was the the offices for the Midwest Rhinos, and I'm in this tin shed, and I've got a conference call and. Uh, a few people, obviously, Gailey was on that. Martin um, Boyks was on that as well, as he was he was president of the club. And and, and I I remember at the end of the interview, I got off the got off the phone and I was driving home and I'm thinking, did I really just hear that? And uh, at the end of the thing, the Boyks just said, oh. Jason, you're going to really enjoy working with our players. And, and I didn't think much of it. And I thought, did he just say that I've got the job? And I just, so I put that out of my mind. I wasn't sure. And I got home and, and I actually said to my wife, I, she said, oh, how did you interview with Yorkshire? And I actually said, I, I think I'm a real chance of getting it. The interview went really well. So I think I learned, I learned a couple of lessons with, uh, with the, the previous interviews I did for some assistant coaching roles. I, I think I felt that I was, I tried to tell the interviewers what I thought they wanted to hear and I, I vowed after the second one I'd never do that so I made it very clear that Yorkshire interview I, I was pretty hard on, on what I how I would do the job and I think they must have they, well they must have liked that so yeah sure enough about two hours later I had uh, Frog give me a call and uh, offer me the role and um, yeah I accepted it and, and yeah before I even discussed how much it was worth or, or what the what it was I just accepted it because I thought this is just an amazing opportunity and, um, you know, I'd be delighted to head over and uh, yeah, be involved. And I remember when you came over, Diz, so obviously we knew you, myself, Rich, Gailey, we obviously played mm. with you 06 or 07, so we had that relationship anyway. But a lot of people have said to me, why did you have so much success under Dizzy? What did he bring to Yorkshire that kind of allowed you to have that success? And I think what you spoke about earlier with your time in the Australian side and your the kind of attitude I felt hmm. perhaps that came a lot into your coaching. And I remember the first game, I believe we were playing Sussex in the first game uh, under your coaching. And we lost the game. And I remember thinking, we're going to get told off here. We're going to get a real kind of seeing to. And you came in the dressing room and said, don't worry about it, lads. You can't win them all. Let's have a few days off. We'll train hard and we'll, and we'll come again. And I think what I probably enjoy the most about your time with us is that 
you were very honest with us and you treat us all kind of like adults and you said look you know how to do your job just go and do your job i trust that you've given yourself the best chance i, I trust that you're gonna do it to your best of your ability and, and you almost gave us that freedom to play was that a conscious effort to do that or was that just how you believe yeah. in coaching yeah i mean pat i i, I, I firmly believe in that i um I've always had this saying in my mind, if, if you say to the players, because trust works both ways, doesn't it? So, you know, if, if the players, if I say to the players, like, just trust us as coaches, you know, trust us to help you prepare as best you possibly can. And then it works both ways. And we'll just, once, once the game starts, get out there, you just go and play and we'll trust you to do your jobs. So for me, that's very, it, I try to keep it as simple as we possibly can. You know, I mean, that game you referenced, that was, that was actually the year, the first game of the year. You, we got promoted and uh, I, mean, I think Sussex bowled us out for 97 or something in the, that first innings. I think Steve McGoffin got a heap of poles. And, and yeah, look, it was, it was a tough one to stomach um, after, you know, getting promoted. But, but again, I mean, no one means to play badly. You know, it, it's about learning the lessons from it and, and being better next time. And, you know, but I, I, I wanted, to, I wanted a, a, a relaxed environment at, at Yorkshire, but, you know, a one that, you know, we're, we're not here to muck around. We're, we're going we're gonna to learn as much as we can, but we're going we're gonna to play to win. And, you know, and I remember having conversations with Gailey and particularly that first season when we needed, you know, and I look back on my coaching career at Yorkshire, and, you know, I was incredibly proud of 2012 because we got promoted. I think we had 40% of the season, of the county season, the championship season was washed out. So we had to create ways to win. You know, we had some great run chases. We set up some games. We, we risked losing in order to win. Is that, that's what I've found in county cricket over the years. A lot of teams will get in a position where they can't lose and then think, OK, now we'll try and win. And a lot of the time, the horse is bolted by then. Sometimes you've just got to take that, take that gamble that, OK, we, we, we may lose here, but... We're going for the win and it buys you time, really. And so, yes, yeah, so I was really proud of the lads at 2012. We got to 2013 and then we lost the first game, but I knew you lads were, were on. You, you know, you were ready to attack Division One. you know, and, and it, was, it was a lot of fun. 2013, well, we finished second and then, um, then it went from there, didn't it? Certainly did. So, which one was your favourite, this 2014 or 2015? Oh, look, it's like, uh, oh, oh, it's like, um, Saying which is your favourite child? Um, <laughs> yeah, you've a, got to give an answer because I, I think for for varying for, for varying reasons, um, you know, I I mean, you know, I remember Richie taking that catch at, at Trent Bridge for us for us to win the the title. That you know that that was a, a wonderful memory. I, I remember when we. Uh, 2015, we'd won it with like three games to spare. I, I remember mm. sitting on the balcony at Lords, and I think City had taken a wicket to get us that extra point and got us a But me being the, I was a little bit uh, anxious. I'm thinking, okay, well, everyone's saying that we've won the title, but what if we get docked points for um, for overrates and stuff like? That? Not that we lost one overall year for overrate, but I'm thinking, oh, if we lose that, then we go back and oh, we celebrated too early. Uh, you know, yeah. so I, I had all these thoughts in my head, but. Um, but yeah, just seeing the look on all you guys' faces, um, you know, that for me, that was a satisfying thing, knowing, you know, as a coach, knowing how hard all the players worked and how hard the coaching staff worked to be in a position to win and, and then celebrate those. Um, I mean, their memories have stayed with you forever, you know, just, and just seeing the smiling faces um, because, you know, the lads have worked hard. You know, you know how hard they've, they've worked the pre-seasons, those running around Wheatwood when it's freezing cold and, you know, yeah. all those times, it, it makes it all worthwhile, you know. Um, 
you know, all those hard sessions, it, it makes it all worthwhile. Brilliant. So there's another really pleasing point for me about 2015 was how we started the year. I think 2014 gave us the belief that we could win, obviously the first championship for, what was it, 15 years or something like that. But then I think 2015, if you remember the first, I think four or five games of the year, we had six players missing. We had five lads away with England and I think Gailey was banned for a couple of games. And we went to Worcester with a very, very young side. But I think the belief we had, we won the game by 10 wickets in the end. And I think that was the belief in ourselves that was created over those couple of years yeah spot on um, I think from memory there was a West Indies tour on wasn't there and uh, so yeah. a number mm. of, of the lads were, were unavailable uh, young captain in Alex Lees I think we said um, Warwickshire's current captain Will Rhodes we, we gave him an opportunity to open the batting so and I think you Rich I think you batted in the top top four top five so <laughs> yeah um, that's how sure we were I think you punched out a 30 or 40 I think Pajara got out first ball at three so I had to save day again that's right <laughs> love it <laughs> But I reckon from memory, you got 30 or 40, I reckon, betting it. I got, I got 40 odd, and Lee, I think Leasy got 100, didn't he? So, I mean, Leasy put a few mm. on. Um, uh, yeah. yeah. We're in a bit of strife. Good early, times. Good times. Yeah. Something that yeah, you know, we'll look back on forever, those. Oh, 100%. No, but you're right, Pato. That was a, yeah, it was a great start to the season, considering everyone was out. But that belief, and, you know, that comes from the players. You know, and, and the lads, you know, the environment that, that the players drive, the coaches support that, but players ultimately drive it. And, um, you know, having a positive mindset, you know, that, you know, that lot, lot gets spoken about positive mindset and positive intent. You know, it doesn't mean you go out there and hit every ball for four or six. It just means, you know, positive frame of mind and getting into good positions and um, and adapting your game. And, uh, you know, and I think that's what the, what the team did very well. So, and then the year after this, I, I retired and uh, became a coach and um, spent my first year coaching with you. So, I learned quite a lot of you. But something I want to ask you is, like, every morning when we're in the nets, we both start wanging. And then you had an imaginary phone call every morning and left the nets and left me wanging. Was there, was there anyone on, on the end of that phone or were you just mewling me? Oh, it might have been mewling you, mate. Um, <laughs> I just need, needed, a, needed to go and have a cup of tea, mate. You know, I've been dog sticking for a bit. You Every needed morning. to learn. You needed to be self-sufficient, you know. Every morning. I, I think what was really... I'm just going to have to take this, Rich. Oh, yeah. Cheers, <laughs> <laughs> What I do remember about that when we got you on the coaching staff, and I, I thought it was, you know, I know Martin was very keen to do it, and I, I fully supported him. I thought it was really good for you to get the the experience not just with the first team not just with the second team but spend time with the academy lads with some age groups and just get a real yeah. feel for coaching like all-round coaching and then and then in time which you've done now is now specialized and you know and i thought that was i thought the club would did that really well um and that gave you a real broad experience in your coaching and i remember you came out and spent some time with us at the adelaide strikers which yeah. i know you enjoyed yourself um, and the Renegades when... Um, the Renegades, yeah. yeah. Remember when we came to the Nets and you'd been a week with us at the Strikers yeah. and then we turn up at, at Marvel Stadium and there you are in the Renegades kit. The, the boys were mortified. <laughs> yeah, they, they, give, they give me some stick, didn't they? <laughs> Change the blue to the red. That was actually my, my first experience of coaching because I retired in September. And I'd not done any coaching, and I went straight out to Australia and started coaching with you, and you know, got experience. So it was, you know, thrown into the deep end, and oh, I absolutely loved it. It was brilliant. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, look again, same with with 
from players and with coaches. I mean, you know, sometimes, and I know my experiences as a, as a coach early on, you know, I was given some, some little bits of opportunity to, to learn and develop. And, you know, as a coach, I see that as an important role for me is to help coaches. You know, I'm a, I'm a cricket coach, I coach players, but I see an important part of my role is to help coaches develop as well. And, you know, you want to give as many experiences because that, that can only help the team. It can only help the players. Yeah. The coaches learning and developing their skills. So I see that as an important role as a, as a coach um, to, to help coaches and as well as players. Definitely. And, you know, one of the other things I learned as well is um, I got dizzied. You know, the saying, I got dizzied. <laughs> I was just going to say that. <laughs> so... When uh, when Diz was at Yorkshire, the the other coach who we we used to take turns, who used to go with Diz as assistant coach, and uh, we used to have to go to the bar on a night and sit and drink two bottles of wine with Diz and try and keep up with him. And next morning, he said, "Did you get dizzy last night?" You've taken a few down, Diz, haven't you? You've taken a few down over uh, the years. So we just love talking cricket, don't we? That's that's a lot of fun. Um, you know, our our great late friend Dave Callahan. He was always a lot of yeah. fun. BBC Dave, and uh, you know, got many fond memories. You know, some of my yeah, some of my great greatest memories in my life have been my time at Yorkshire. I, I had a wonderful time, and you know, the friends you make, and uh, you know, the, the successes that that we had. You know, it was just wonderful. But it's it's the people you meet, the people you work with, and and spend time yeah. with that, that makes it, you know, and certainly I know we all miss Dave deeply. You know, he, he was a wonderful supporter of Yorkshire County Cricket Club and yeah, he he was a lot of fun, you know, on, on a on away trips and you know, he used yeah. to always try and get the get the boys to go and spend a bit of time with Dave in the commentary box because, you know, I think that's an important part of, yeah. Um it's an important part of county cricket is promoting the game. And yeah. you know, the BBC put a lot of time and effort into putting games on and you know, I think you know, it's important that players and coaches are accessible um, to give an insight to all our supporters that are all over the world supporting us in, in what we're doing. In your yeah, last couple of block. years, you and Dave had a bit of a, an evening thing, didn't you? You used to go around to do an evening with Dizzy and Dave or something like that. Share some of your stories, is that right? Yeah, we, we did. Um, we had a lot of fun. So we'd go Dizzy and Dave and um, we'd go to like sports sports clubs, rugby clubs or whatever, and we, we'd do Q&As and uh, question and answer sessions. And that was a lot of fun. And, um, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed those those times. It was a good time because Dave and I became quite close friends. And uh, so I cherish those times and the times we got to hang out together, the driving driving down the motorway to go to a, a new club and uh, meet people and, and put on a show. And we got to spend some quality time together, which was great. And, you know, I'll never forget when, um, you know, I got a call late at night. I was back in Adelaide and I got a call from Martin. He said that, that Dave had uh, fallen ill, and um, and yeah, I, I was absolutely devastated, and yeah, and I was I was broken that I couldn't uh, couldn't get to his funeral. Yeah, it was a really sad time. Much it loved by everyone, Dave. Absolutely, did a lot for Yorkshire cricket as well. Right, Certainly before did. we move on to the to the uh, Twitter questions, have you got any more funnies for Dizzy Pato? I'll tell you one of my very fondest memories of you, Diz. <laughs> and it, <laughs> oh no, trouble with. It involves it involves the time you decided obviously to become a vegan and no longer eat yes, any Pato. animal products. And uh, I remember we were, I remember it vividly. We were at Edgebaston. We were, we were sat there having lunch, and you're sat there at the table while we're all queuing up. And the lads are like, what's for lunch? And you're like, oh, this soup's beautiful, boys. We're like, what is it? And he's like, oh, it's broccoli. 
So Brez goes up and he asks, obviously, the the, uh, the chef what the soup is. He comes back and you were like, oh, Brez, this soup is superb. And the next minute, Brez goes, Diz, you do realise it's broccoli and stilton? To which you turn around and go, ah, bleh, and spat it out and you go, this is disgusting soup. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I do remember that. No, look, it tasted nice, but I, I just the the thought of it actually having that uh, was was terrible. Um, but yeah, no, that that was uh, yeah, that was interesting times. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I know you and, always, always used to give me a lot of grief. Uh, that was fine. I, I'm happy to. Well, look, I, I gave as good as I got. That's for sure. Much like yourself, yeah, Pato. You, uh, the boys get stuck into you a bit, but um, um, but you always give as good as you get. I try. Yeah, does. I try. <laughs> I do does. also remember. I also remember this. Can you remember it? A time because we'd just been there last week, so it brought up some good memories for me. We were staying at the Radisson in Durham, and you were trying to get yourself some breakfast before the game, and you were asking for some scrambled tofu. They didn't quite understand it, did they? Because you asked for it, and they brought you no. scrambled eggs and tofu, which you didn't take very kindly. So you sent it back. They came back again ten minutes later with some scrambled eggs and tofu. So you sent it back for a second time and when they, on the third occasion when they brought you scrambled eggs and tofu you stood up grabbed a banana and stormed off <laughs> yeah they, they they didn't quite understand maybe it was my accent they didn't quite get up there in durham but oh gee was you're bringing back some very funny memories pato <laughs> well, what about edge baston pato when he uh, he goes oh, i'm just gonna go put my head down the physio bed about an hour and a half later he was still fast asleep in the physio bed <laughs> Must have been. I think it was last game of the season. That was. I think it was. Yeah. But I think, like you said before, this like that time with you at Yorkshire. It was obviously in my career, Rich's career, our most successful period as a player. And I think the memories we made over those years, winning games of cricket, the celebrating afterwards, the times together in the changing room, they're the memories you'll take away. It's not the it's not the wickets and the runs you score. It's those memories in the dressing room of celebrating victories, celebrating each other's success. And I think. We had a we had a good bunch there of similar age players all coming into the prime. Obviously, we had you for five or six years, and it was just a really fantastic time for everybody, wasn't it? Oh, it certainly was, and 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 you're absolutely bang on. It's the the things you remember, uh, you know, sitting around and, and celebrating a win. You know, I've I've always been a big believer in that. I remember Ian Healy, you know, used to always say that you know if you can't celebrate your wins, you know, why are you playing? And you know, you, you know. May as well enjoy it, you know. And I, I always resonated with me uh, with me that you know there's nothing wrong with um, you know enjoying your success because it's hard fought. You know, you, to, to win a county match, there's a lot of time and effort that goes into winning those games, and you know everyone has to work together. So it's a lot of teamwork, and and you know you share that enjoyment and that um, and enjoy that win and share that win uh, with each other. Um, you know, it doesn't mean you have to go out and have a have a night out to two in the morning or anything like that. It can be just those that hour after the game where everyone's just sitting around and, and having a quiet chat and reflecting on the game. And I mean, they're, they're very satisfying times because, you know, you, you look around the dressing room and you go, well, we've, we've, we've achieved something here. And, you know, all the hard work and effort that we've put in, you know, has made it made it worthwhile. We've got maximum points and we're, uh, we're moving up the ladder. And it, it, it's a great feeling. 100% is. It is. what it's about. Right, we're going to move on to some Twitter questions nowadays. We've got quite a few in yeah, here, mate. so uh, we'll try and get through these pretty quick. Um, okay. This first one's from Brian Lowe. Thoughts on Tim Bresden's great career at both Yorkshire and England? Oh, look, I'm a, I'm a huge rat for Tim. I, 
I enjoyed playing cricket with Tim, so I had a couple of years as a player, and then um, you know I, I nursed him to his first first class hundred. Quick story: <laughs> I remember that. He was, batting, he was a little bit nervous <laughs> in the nineties. Um, he was on about ninety six or ninety seven, and and we're between over. And he said, "Oh, Diz, I'm just a bit bit nervous." I said, "Mate, you, you'll be fine. Just just keep doing what you've been doing. You know, you, you know, he's just been knocking it around, and you know, you you get your you get your rewards. Just stay nice and patient. You'll be fine." He goes back, the spinner's on, first ball, runs down the wicket, smacks it over over his head for six, brings up his hundred. And he comes up and he goes, oh, I just had to do it. I just had to get it done. All right, he's dressing out. All right, so I thought that was quite funny. But look, Tim, I, I, I love what uh, Brez brings to the dressing room. You know, he, he is a positive positive energy, isn't he? Um, yeah. You know, and, and he, you know, it's water of a duck's back. Sometimes he just says silly things um, unintentionally. He doesn't know he's saying something that's silly, but it's it's all well-meaning. It's it's all positive. He's, um, you know, just a great guy to have around. And, you know, he walks on that. He walks over the line and, you know, he's going to, he's fully committed. He's 100% in and uh, he'll do the very best he can do for his team. And, and look, as a teammate, as a, as a player, you, you can't ask for any more than that. And, you know, he, he's, you know, there's, it's no secret that when he played for England, England, you know, I think they won eight, nine tests in a row uh, when he first started. That's not a shock to me because what the guy brings, you know, he, he played his role for England absolutely perfectly. And he did that for Yorkshire over many years. Um, probably my proudest moment for Tim um, was my final game as coach. Uh, against Middlesex at Lords, um, he, you know, uh, took the onus. We had a couple of guys out for various reasons. Tim stood up, said, "I'll bat five, and he went out and got 140 odd, and it was one of the best knocks I've seen in county cricket. Yeah. Um, you know, he said, "You know, not going to leave it to anyone else. I'm going to do the job for the team." And, you know, and I was, you know, I know we lost that game, but but I was really proud of him for how he went about went about that. It was uh, that just showed real commitment to the team. And brilliant to see Stardwell at Warwickshire this last week as well. I'm still uh, don't know how he got on bowling off spin at the end, but he's been trying that for years, hasn't he? Yeah. Uh, I actually, I actually sent Will Rhodes a message about that. I said, I cannot believe that you let Tim uh, bully you into letting him bowl off spin because he's been building that up for years. He, he yeah, rates yeah. them highly. They're, they're, I mean, they, they're straight breaks. They don't do anything. <laughs> and I saw the footage and I can confirm that they did not spin. So, no, they didn't. Um, On the day yeah, four pitch look, right at the end. Great a fantastic character to have around the team. And, and it, look, I'm sure it's exactly why he's been recruited by Warwickshire, that they they want someone, a bit of bounce, a bit of energy up and about. Uh, and, you know, in however many years he plays there, I'm sure he'll uh, he'll have some success there. Definitely. Pato, do you want to do the next Twitter? Yeah, this one's from David Hutton. Yorkshire or Sussex, which set of players are best at A, winning, B, drinking, C, team banter? Between Yorkshire and Sussex, oh wow! Yeah. Jeez, um, oh, that's that's a tough one, isn't it? Um, look, I'm really on Yorkshire, you're on the Yorkshire podcast. Yeah, I'm on the Yorkshire podcast, <laughs> so I probably have to say Yorkshire. But um, but look, I, I think both teams have, have got their strengths, and uh, you know, I, I think the banter at Yorkshire is very unique. It's very uh, Yorkshire centric and Yorkshire focused. So I don't think anyone would even understand some of the jokes. If you're not a Yorkshireman, I mean, if you remember our great friend Andrew Hod, uh, yeah. the poor lad, it took him a while to get uh, get accepted yes, into did. the uh, Yorkshire dressing room because he, he absolutely copped it as being a, a, a southerner in in a northern dressing room. But I think he won everyone's uh, won everyone's acclaim just through being the good bloke that he is. 
years and, and fine cricketer that he, that he was. But yeah, look, look, both clubs, it, it, look, it's hard to compare those things. But you know, I spent more time at Yorkshire and uh, you know probably saw more more of everything, more, more team banter, all that sort of stuff. Uh, I don't know about the other things. What were the other things? Drinking, uh, winning, and drinking. <laughs> Well, I mean, obviously Yorkshire have won a lot. You know, Sussex in a bit of a transition, I suppose. And yeah, oh, look, I, I think you know, both from my understanding, both teams are teetotals. So um, yeah, none of, that, none of that drinking there. Great answer. Well, Great answer. Well said. Well said, Diz. Right, this next one, I probably know your answer to this one, Diz. Uh, but this one's from Mark Welburn. Can you ask Dizzy to unblock me, and I promise I'll never question his lack of sense of humour again. <laughs> No. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, have look, I'll have a look at the weekend and I, I might. Um, no, you won't. I, I don't know. It might have just caught me, caught, got me at a bad time. I don't like negativity. When, when people are, if they're moaning on Twitter, I just block them. I keep it simple. I don't like, I like moaning. I've All got right. a good one for you, Ed, is from Ed Skippings. Yes, mate. And it's if Ryan Sidebottom was the Rolls Royce, as we knew him, what car was Jack yes. Brooks? Jack Brooks. Uh, what would Jack want to be called or what he would actually be? Tractor. I, I, I think a, a fast car that um, maybe didn't look so flash. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I, I, <laughs> uh, sorry, Brooksy. That might be a bit harsh, but a, a maybe a, fast a car. Subaru WRX or yeah, a Subaru WRX, a little sports <laughs> kit or a... Um, but yeah, uh, City was definitely the Rolls Royce or the Bentley, or yeah, for sure. Um, Pato, you were Skoda, was it Ford Fiesta? Similar. Skoda, you were a Skoda. Brez, I think was a was a. I think Brez was a pickup truck, wasn't he? <laughs> <I'm not> sure. <laughs> I think just a message on uh, Brooksy this while we're talking about him is we knew obviously Ryan's qualities with. Uh, the new ball, it was brilliant for us. But you signed Brooksy when you came, didn't you? We had one year, obviously, without him. And then yep. we signed, after yep. your first year, we signed Brooksy and Liam Plunkett. And I think their contribution to our bowling attack was massive, wasn't it, in terms of the success we had going forward? Yeah, yeah, certainly. And the, 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 the key for me with those two guys and what I knew with our bowling attack, we had guys who could control it. Yourself, City, Brez, Rich. You know, guys who could, you know, go at a certain rate, you know, under threes and, and just build pressure, be disciplined with their line and length. What recruiting Brooksy and um, Liam did, you know, you know, to use the term with uh, Liam, creating decision, you know, his job was ball fast. His job wasn't to go at three and over. His job was to create opportunities, whether it be him taking wickets or create opportunities at the other end. And Brooksy is the same. You knew Brooksy, and I knew Brooksy would get flustered, you know, and I'd speak to him a lot. He gets anxious if he went for a boundary. We went for a couple of boundaries and he saw that he had three overs for 15 next to his name and he would start worrying what, what the lads would think and, and that. And, you know, it was really important that we relaxed him and just said, mate, your job is to is attacking bowler. You pitch the ball up, yep, you're going to get driven every now and again. That's That'll happen, but you will create opportunities. And, and if you remember when Brooksy was um, playing for Yorkshire, he would get he'd come in and he'd, how often he got two wickets in three balls or two wickets in an over. Uh, it was yeah. extraordinary. And that, that changes games. You know the old saying, put two on it when you're in the field. I think Jack Brooks was a perfect example of that. So, you know, the, the balance of the attack. And then you had Adil Rashid who could just spin the ball hard both ways and, and create doubt. 
amongst the batsmen, and, and particularly, you know, you're throwing the ball. You know, I think you started calling the Hoover at the, uh, you know, <laughs> after six, seven down, um, just throwing the ball, and he, he'd create really, uh, make it really tough for the for the tail enders to to pick him. So yeah, it was all about creating a, a bowling attack that would ultimately take 20 wickets. Every base covered in that attack. It's probably, you won't see many a better attacks than that in county cricket, I don't think. Right, Diz, uh, last one. Uh, this one's from Andrew Young. What's What was Jason's favourite memory while he coached for Yorkshire? Oh, there's too many to mention. Um, You've got to pick one, Diz. I, 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 <laughs> I think winning, obviously winning, winning the trophy the first time, I think, um, was pretty special. And... It was special, but it was sad as well in the sense that, and I don't mean this in any other way, but um, Gailey uh, had been banned. Um, and I, I remember, you know, in the back room at Trent Bridge and, you know, he was pretty pretty broken. He was pretty upset that he wasn't able to go out there and uh, and hold the trophy aloft. And, and that, that made me quite sad because it's such mm. an integral part of the team and such an important part of the team. And, and for him not to be able to go and celebrate that, you know, I, I thought that was wrong. I, I thought that was pretty cruel, to be perfectly blunt. So while it was a wonderful memory, it had a tinge of that, tinge of sadness about it. But overall, it was it was just, you know, a wonderful time. First time the club had won a, a trophy in a little while. So, yeah, I'd probably have to say that. Yeah, agreed. Going to move on to the covers off quick fire questions, Diz. So I'm going to run through these pretty quick. Just give us your first uh, first answer to these questions. Okay, so earliest memory of cricket? Watching on TV when I was a kid, watching Australia play uh, Test of One Day Cricket on the TV over the summer. Cricket in hero? Ooh. Dennis Lilly or Malcolm Marshall? Two good bowlers there. Uh, your professional debut? 1994-5 season for South Australia versus Queensland at Adelaide Oval. Did you take a wicket? I took one wicket for the match. Martin Love um, caught hooking down that fine leg. I went for about five or six runs and over for the whole match. <laughs> <laughs> Best game you've ever been involved in? Ooh. Winning a test match and series in Nagpur, India to go 2-0 up in a format series with one game to play and to win in India for the first time Australian side did that in 35 years that was pretty special yeah uh, your favourite ground in the world to play in Adelaide Oval good ground lovely ground that uh, somebody to bat for your life uh, besides Pato um, don't say that yourself <laughs> when you've got 201 no it's banned uh, that's, yeah. that chat's banned uh, someone <laughs> to bat for my life I'd, I'd probably go Steve Smith yeah good one Messiest in the dressing room. Probably hard to go past Darren Lehman. Oh, really? Who's the vainest cricketer you've ever come across? <sighs> vainest cricketer. Um, oh, jeez. I don't know. What's the criteria for vainest? Um, criteria? You know, I know of a player that... Uh, I know that a player... I know of a former Australian player that used to take hair straighteners on an away tour. Well, that's Basically a prime the crit- example. The criteria is somebody so I have that to say, what, Shane Watson... But for, for that yeah. very reason, because he took hair straighteners on tour, um, I'd have to say to him, say to him. Definitely. Best celebration or party after a game or series? Uh, I would say we won the Sheffield Shield in 95-6, Adelaide Oval, and 
yeah, it was a bit bit foggy, but um, yeah, it was a pretty special. It, it was my first full season as a player, so I kind of have pretty fond memories of, of that whole. Had a, had a good season personally. The team won. We managed to win a, a, an amazing game of cricket. You know, to to win the win the Sheffield Shield, we had to survive. Uh, we had to actually only had to draw the game, but we were nine down with 40 minutes left to play in the game. And our two tail enders survived 40 minutes against Brad Hogg and Brendan Julian. And then, yeah, the, just the celebration, the crowd spilling onto the ground. Yeah, that was that was, that was was pretty cool. That's, that's not the game where you threw all the chairs off the roof, was it, just in the hotel? No, no, it wasn't that <laughs> one, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> He's been waiting for that one, his patter. Yeah, no, <laughs> Okay, three people, living or dead, to have dinner with. Ooh, um, I don't know. I reckon my, my late father, probably Dave Callahan. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, I'm probably yeah. I, my grandfather and my my mum's dad. He passed away. I was only six years of age, so I would have loved to get to know him. So yeah, those three. Good three. Good three days. Right, pick your best six aside cricket team that you've played with. I can't remember. <laughs> when did we play six aside? No, just no. the six best players you played the with. Six. Oh, right. So I was thinking, did we six. play six aside together? Oh, no, from all the players you played with. Right, okay. Um, I'm going to have to go Pato's mate, Glenn McGrath. Um, I thought you were going to say me then. No, Thanks. definitely not Pato. Okay, okay. <laughs> Shane Warne, um, Adam Gilchrist. Uh, I'm going to go Darren Lehman. Saw him. I, I think I'm one of the only people that was playing. I think I'm the only person that played both games and he got his triple hundreds in first class cricket. So that's quite a nice little stat. Um, yeah. I'm going to have to go. How many is that now? That's four. Four. Um, Two more. So that I played with or against, yeah? Well, you played with. Played with. And with. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll have to go. Steve War and Ricky Ponting. So basically, the, the the team that you played with in the yeah. late nineties, <laughs> pretty bad. <laughs> it's a good six out though. Some some great players in there. I'm sorry for everyone who have missed out. Yeah. Pato's gutted. Yeah, not offended. Sorry, Pato. Nice. No, okay. Right, there's last last bit of the pod. You might have heard of this, but it's, it's you've got to name as many Adam Live nicknames as you can in thirty seconds. I was psyching myself up to do Pato. I reckon I had about 50 lined up. But well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's why we changed it, mate. Don't you worry. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm okay. I'll give it a go. I'll give it a go. Right, let's go. Pato, have you got a stopwatch? I'm ready when you had this. Right, Diz. On your first warm work, your 30-second start. Okay. Livey. Uh, peanut. Budgie. Um... Well, Maddie Hayden called him Lithy in a video. Um, I don't think that counts. Um, Lively Bud Peanut. Um, oh, what's that? Uh, Pop, Poppy, Poppy Live. Um, what else? Oh, damn it. Tip of my tongue. That's your time. Um, sorry, mate. That's, Man, poor, that is. That's pretty poor from you, though. Do you want to have a go at Pato nicknames while you're here, Diz? Hang on, hang uh, on. Oh, there's uh, that many of those. I, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to make Pato feel bad. I still remember that game at Scarborough Days when we were out fielding. I came off at tea, and you'd been bored, hadn't you, watching us? And you got the big whiteboard that normally has the team on, and you'd filled both sides of it with different nicknames with me, all by yourself. <laughs> I admit, I had a bit of help. I had a little bit of help by the boys. But yeah, you've got a few nicknames, Pato, haven't you? 
I've got a few, yeah. I believe Mag's got 25 when they did me. Did he really? Yeah, I actually, I heard so, so that. I've been yeah. told. I heard he got over 20. That's a good effort. I, he I made most of them up, though. At, I remember playing a game at um, Tunbridge Wells. and um, I can't remember if you guys were playing, but we... Um, we, came, we tried to come up with how many names we could give Robert Key a nickname and we played Kent. And I think we stopped at about 100. We had that many. It was quite humorous. <laughs> can you imagine? Right, Diz. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on, mate. I know you've, you've done a lot for Yorkshire cricket and, you know, the supporters absolutely love you. So it'd be great. it's been brilliant to listen to you and listen to your story. So thanks for coming on and uh, good luck with, with Sussex this year. No, thank you, Rich, and thank you, Pato. And, uh, look, thanks for allowing me the time to reminisce a little bit. It's been good fun. It's great to see you guys. And, uh, and good luck for the season. Go well against uh, Knots this weekend. Thanks, mate. It's been, been really good to catch up. Enjoyed it. Absolutely. It's been great fun. Thanks, guys. You've been listening to the Covers Off podcast from Yorkshire Carrot Group Club with me, Richard Pyra, and the skipper, Steve Patterson. Remember, guys, please subscribe to the podcast. If you miss any episodes, you can catch them up by downloading them on Spotify or iTunes. Thanks for listening, guys. Mm-hmm.